4: And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak
0: then? I am a revolutionary.
1: Let's is about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us
0: and the possibility for us as a future person, because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside
1: of the white house african descent fairly america failed she put
5: And now to our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Racism or hatred, or Jim Crow type of racism, it's very much racism, and racism is unfortunately and regrettably
1: still alive in America. There's no doubt about it. I definitely believe racism
2: is alive and kicking.
1: Racism is, is a situation where one individual or group of people make decisions to control the destiny of another group of people based on their race.
0: One in six Americans live below the poverty line. For African Americans and Latinos, it's one in four. Black unemployment is twice that of the white population at over 16 and a half percent.
2: A white job applicant with a prison background, that is a white uh, ex-inmate, is more likely to get a call back for a job
5: than a black applicant who has no prison record whatsoever.
0: Looking at what our government be doing, no one wants to, you know, look at what this the USA is doing, you know, and they want to justify they
2: and
1: um, it's that pisses me the f off. Honestly, they
2: don't. Out of sight,
1: out of mind is an approach the U.S. seems to be taking when it comes to racism at home. Attending an anti-racism meeting would be the simplest way to begin taking action.
0: But with domestic details too embarrassing to reveal, America is choosing to turn a
6: blind eye instead. Tonight at Our Common Ground, we've invited Yvette Carnell editor of Your Black World and BreakingBrown.com to talk with us about what is a proper reaction to racism. We invite your response. Stay tuned. I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being here with us at Our Common Ground. I'm so happy to have you. It's getting... Uh, we are in the middle of between fall and winter up here in the northern plantation. So I'm starting to think heat. And every year, you know I'm a Floridian, and but I've been in this part of the plantation for a long, long time, and... Every year, everywhere I go, I ask people, have you turned your heat on yet? Have you turned your heat on yet? (laughs) Because I measure whether or not other people will turn their heat on, because those oil bills are nothing to laugh at. Thank you, and if you are new to us at Our Common Ground, you can join our live, unmoderated, open chat room at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG, and this is Our Common Ground. Tonight, we're going to talk about something that persists in a lot of ways, and that is racism. Many of us have not been clear about what the definition is, but we know what it feels like. Actually, racism has existed throughout human history, Uh, Sometimes it's defined as the hatred of one person by another or the belief that another person is less than human because of skin color. Um, And it it reveals the basic nature. We think that it reveals the basic nature of that person. So tonight we're going to talk about racism and what caught my eye was a woman who is at absolute outstanding journalist uh, who is going to be our guest tonight, Yvette Cornell. She wrote um, on her blog, Breaking Brown, uh, the proper reaction to racism. And she raised the question, what is a proper reaction to racism? Here at Our Common Ground, we do a lot of talking about um, responses, but we don't do a lot of talking about reaction. And Yvette has brought us to a place where we really need to be on the question of how, what is proper in our reaction. So we're just really excited to have her. We're excited to have you. In our chat room, you can join lots of folks. Uh, Our administrative uh, producer is there, YJ. We've got listening on the phone, Brother Brock from Philadelphia, PA. And we hope you'll settle down. I hope that you have chosen your winter drink. My winter drink uh, for this season is going to be Warm ginger ale with a bit of jasmine tea leaves. Yes, indeed. No, it's going to be straight up. No honey, uh, none of that stuff. So let's sit back and let's think about where we need to be on the question of how do we respond. But before we do that, I'm going to tell you a little about our guest tonight. Yvette Carnell writes mostly about politics, socio-political issues, socio-cultural and and cultural issues for her blog, BreakingBrown.com. I met her, even though I have never talked to her, I have never met her in person uh, through her writing at Cultural Critic, and now she is serving as the editor for Your Black World, and... I don't know if you have caught anything, any of her work, both at Your Black World, but you should. And we have posted a link to her blog in our chat room. But before embarking on a career as a writer, she served as a congressional aide, first to Senator Barbara Boxer of California, Democrat, and later to former Congressman Marion Berry, a Democrat from Arizona, Arkansas, I'm sorry, in her role as a legislative staffer, she prepared briefings, staffed congressional hearings, represented members with their constituents, and prepared and performed other duties that all aides perform. It's very interesting, and her writing reflects the kind of know-how, insider know-how that you have to to have to understand. In her time on the Hill, she worked as regional field director for America's Families United. It's one of the largest nonprofit get-out-the-vote campaigns, and she was active during the 2004 election cycle with uh, the AFU. And at AFU, she played an integral role in establishing the framework and assessment criteria for distributing over 20 million, I said millions, almost as much as we lost doing the lockout and shutdown, to AFU's grant recipient organizations. So she was both a grant uh, T and a grant management person. Uh, For America's Families United. In the broader Democratic Party, she served as assistant to the director of the Women's Vote Center at the Democratic National Committee. Her articles have been featured in the Huffington Post and Your Black World, and she has been quoted in many national news outlets, including The Nation, The Guardian, Politico, and NPR. She received a B.A. degree in political science from Howard University. Now, let me give you a little overview of what BreakingBrown.com is. It's a social media hub which aggregates the freshest and most insightful content from brown bloggers, podcasters, and videocasters on the Internet. Breaking Brown aggregates, distributes, critiques, and explores black and brown people in the unending universe, which is social media. In addition to providing the content which bra- black and brown readers sorely miss with the mainstream media, Breaking Brown also considers itself as a meeting place for black and brown social media enthusiasts and in and in that interest provides a stream of useful social media information for overworked and underpaid social media provocateurs. That includes me, folks. But I am saying all of the time that I say on this broadcast, we are not writing enough. We're doing too much talking, not enough writing, and there are not enough Independent distribution points, Breaking Brown, fills so much of that need. Before we bring her on to the microphone, let's take a look at what kind of commentary Yvette Carnell has provided in the public discourse.
0: I was finished with him because the point of the matter is Ben, you know Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller. These 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 white guys can make a, a, bad movies. They can make they make an average of I swear about three bad movies a year. Just just bad movies. I didn't like any of them. Something about Mary, none of that stuff. But nobody says, oh look at them. They're making you know they're they're making past blue ribbon for the masses. You know nobody gave that little you know like <laughs> these are just yeah. It, it, nobody says nobody ever says that about them. But the thought process, you, the, the people like Tori are so quick and this has been uh, this has been my problem with him and, and and a few other people but he is so quick to just down black people why can't black people just enjoy just a simple you know a simple comedic sketch everything doesn't have to be complicated sometimes you just want cheetos sometimes you don't want creme brulee you know so i don't understand why when we just want something that's just slapstick basic company, comedy nothing complicated oh it's malt liquor for the masses which you know hints to black people and Snoop Dogg with a big thing of malt liquor but for them it's something totally different they can do that they can be more human. They can enjoy more things than we can. We already can't have watermelon. We can't have fried chicken. So many things, we can't have grape soda. You know, and it's like, why do black people like this? And then, so it's like, why do they like this Tyler Perry? And then here comes Torrey. Well, let me tell you why the black people like Tyler Perry. It's just not looking for the masses. You know, and so and that's who he is. He's supposed to be explaining, you know, who we are to white people. That's his job. He's, when, when you're looking at it, and whether it's rent and the kids' tuition or whatever you got going on, if everything that you have depends on someone else's opinion of you and what you say, that's the problem. Well, and, and, and I'm, go, I'm going to wrap it up in a second, but we gladly sign on to it. Now, this is something I mentioned earlier because, you know, because, because of, you know, being so aspirational. You can show us Oprah. You can show us Magic Johnson, and you can say, wow, look at these people they have achieved. You know, so since they're in favor of whatever administration, it doesn't really matter what administration was. It could be the previous administration. It could be the current administration. You know, if, they are, if they're in favor of this X, Y, Z policy, then it must not be to my detriment because that person comes from, quote, unquote, the black community.
2: Oh, this is a great book
1: I just got on for Free. I
0: mean, I, I forgot to put that. You're saying, Barack Obama is a very rich black man. He's an affluent. He's an affluent black man, and the problem is. He has. When you look at Barack Obama, we look at President Barack Obama. He has. He has a media department. He has Secret Service. He has all these other things. But the minute you know Michelle Bachman or or Ted Nugent or any other knucklehead on the right comes out and says something that's 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 even 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 remotely racist, black people rally around this rally around this president, regardless of what President Obama has done or has has not done. It's like it's as if him being him, him being slighted in the slightest way even if it doesn't impact us in any way means more to us than black people who are suffering under these structures of, 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 of these structures of you know structural racism that create poverty everyday that means more we gotta protect the president but who cares about the policies that put black people in a you know in a in a in, in these situations these impoverished situations So. This kind of Pavlovian, in a way, the way we react to racism, you know, anytime you attack one of our good black people, our rich black people, our elite black people, we just rally to the scene. It, it, it tears away at any sort of kind of mobilization or grassroots movement that we're trying to build because we feel for whatever reason that we have to protect the rich black person against the knuckleheads. Well, actually, actually, I think it's kind of funny because I remember very clearly when black people, you know, started to kind of, you know, express... Their dissatisfaction with President Obama. Um, you know, I, I think you know very well, Dr. Cornel West did, and Tavis Smiley did. But regardless of those people, there was a sort of angst in the African American community about about President Obama and what he was doing for black people and poor people. And when 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 you started to see that, you got a lot of pushback from Tom Jordan. You got a lot of pushback from people like Tom Jordan, people like Steve Hart, who's saying, "Who are you to criticize the black, first black president? You know, what's your problem? Crabs in a barrel, all that sort of imagery." But 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 we're supposed to misuse our political capital. You understand what Tom Joyner is saying, because in that same article he kind of implied that black people should kind of stand with him in terms of what's happening to him and how he's been cut down. But So you want us to use our black capital to help you, our political black help, capital to help you, one black person. But we're not supposed to help the black people who've been impacted by the domestic cuts, by the by the freezing of, 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 of jobs in the federal government when one in four black people works for the federal government. These aren't things we're Supposed to be upset about, but we're supposed to stand with Tom. Join us, so we can keep his job. You know this, and this is the sort of thing that that black people in the elite community do. You know when you see a black person in the elite community losing their job, and I, you know. The, the thought is that we're supposed to go to bat for that person because it's bad for that rich black person to lose his job. No, that whether or not Tom Joyner has a job has nothing to do with the plight of black people as a whole. We're not better, no better or no worse because Tom Joyner has a job. So I just I just feel it's so it's, it's kind of contradictory, you know, to say that we're not supposed to be worried about the domestic cuts and that's just what Obama had to do. But when the domestic when when there's a cut to your paycheck, Mr. Joyner, we have a problem problem. I, I don't see a
4: problem.
0: We don't and, and here's 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 my here's my drawing issue. When when here, whenever I whenever I whenever I criticize Barack Obama, here's what I get. I get a group of people who basically tell me that I shouldn't be criticizing him because of because of race race-based politics because what I call the politics of pigmentation. But one of the things that you brought up is that a lot of the people who are currently pretend to be advocating for the black community are actually people, you know, who are advocating for the poor, who say they're advocating for the black poor and they want the best for black poor. A lot of these people are millionaires themselves. When you look at Al Sharpton, he's a millionaire. When you look at, even when you look at, um, when you look at Tavis Smiley, he makes good money. So what I'm trying to figure out is, is there a way to mobilize poor people in the interest of poor people is there still a way to do what we did back then when black people couldn't even read and write is, 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 is that or is that possible and feasible now and, and the second part of that is how do you see how do you see Obama in this because one of the things you brought up and this this was very powerful in terms of what I think about Booker T. Washington you know people people think of the whole Booker T. Washington versus w e b. Du Bois debate. But what you kind of drew out in your article is that these two people were kind of set up to be drawn as our two choices. It's almost like white people always give us two choices and say, "Here, Negro, you choose one of these two things. Here, Negro, you have. We're giving you this black person and this black person, and you choose which black person is better. So,
4: yeah, how do we get to the point where we choose our own leadership?
0: How do we choose our own leadership? How do we say no? We don't want Barack Obama, or no, we don't want this person. These are the people that we want. Like how? Do we no, I agree with you. I agree with you. This and this is this is the problem. For too long black people have seen have seen a world in which you know their political agency doesn't come from actual political governmental institutions. Their political agency comes from else. It comes from people on TV. It comes from people on radio. It comes from people in pulpits. And I understand that. But we're full citizens. So what we do, what we have to do is say the same thing that those Tea you say. Hey, this is our government and we're taking it back. And you can't, you can't put that out there to people by telling people not to, not to protest Obama, by telling people not to hold Obama accountable, by telling people he's our president, so you leave him alone. Who are you to talk about him? Who gave you that? Right. You can't do that to people and tell them they have no right to protest their government, then come back around and say, hey, why aren't you standing up for me? Don't you see how the FCC is treating me? I mean, if, and the fact that he doesn't even see that that is inconsistent is problematic for me. And I have nothing against Tom Joyner per se. I don't think he's a bad human being.
6: Okay, I was on mute. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yvette Cornell, thank you for being with us here on Our Common Ground. I'm so glad to have you.
0: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I know we've been trying to hook up and get together for a while, so I appreciate the opportunity.
6: Girl, you light them up. I spent spent most of the afternoon listening to uh, some of, your discussions with Dr. Boyce Watkins, and you are so on point. But you really, really uh, hit the emergency urgency button with me last week when you raised the issue of a proper reaction to racism. Mm
4: -hmm.
6: What started you on that?
0: Well, Honestly, if you want the truth, what started me on that was actually an argument with a with a good friend. I may have actually lost a friend over Oprah Winfrey, and to me, that to, to me to me that just really brought it home for me because you are putting this woman who you've never met. You're more protective of her than a friend that you've had since college. That's how much you're willing to go to bat for Miss Winfrey. So you know, we had gone we had a friend and I had gone back and forth about Miss Winfrey's visit to the, the whole controversy when she went to the Swiss store and they had, the, the woman apparently treated her in a way that she perceived as racist. And so I thought about that and I I was really disappointed when I saw as many black people as I did, you know, go, Oh, you can't treat Oprah like that, what's wrong with these white people? And I'm not saying necessarily that Oprah wasn't treated in that way. That she wasn't. That the woman wasn't racist. There's no way for me to know. But in terms of how we use our collective energy, I really don't think that we should be going to back for Oprah. And I really never thought that even if Oprah had experienced that, that she should necessarily internalize it. So I looked at another response that the the, the actor from who's already been mentioned in terms of Oscars from, from Twelve Years of Slave. His response to racism was very different. He was like, I don't really care. You know, I don't really care if you look at me wrong or whatever. That's, that's not my business. I don't care. I'm a grown man. So I just looked at those two things, and I said to myself, which one of these is, you know, in terms of effectiveness, which one of those responses
4: is best?
6: Mhm mhm um what struck me was um that you did use Oprah and that you, you did use his quote, and in the article which those of you uh our listening audience can find it on BreakingBrown.com, dot com you quoted, and I cannot say this man's name, uh so I'm not going to even try, but he is the star of um of the new movie. Well, I guess it's not new anymore, uh, 12 Days a Slave. And, he, and, and what you quote is him saying that I don't really give a shit if somebody says something about me. I couldn't care less. If they're trying to harm me physically, then, well, we'll all know about it. But the incident of this person looked at you funny or this person followed you around the store, I don't care about it in the slightest. What I do care about is when societies affect the lives of some of the population and they affect them in different ways. I think that what that does is it frames us as a people to begin to put more of us in how we respond to racism than me. I've been an advocate of that for a long, long time because until we break down the barriers of institutionalized racism, we still – we will not have anything because the individual is not going to – is not going away. And people may argue that. I don't know. What's your response?
4: No, I
0: agree. You have to tackle – you have to tackle the big monster first, right? You have to go for the head. So I can't really control, nor do I even really want to control, if somebody looks at me funny, if somebody follows me. I think that's unfortunate. I'm not necessarily happy about it. But in terms of how I'm going to use my personal energy, in terms of how I'm going to use my political capital, in terms of how I'm going to frustrate myself internally, I'm not going to do it And I'm because of what one person said about me or said to me or how they looked at me. I'm not going to do that. And even health-wise, I'm not going to... You know, raise my blood pressure because someone, I think someone perceives me in a way that, that that's not fair, that's biased. So it mm-hmm. just to mm-hmm. me doesn't make sense. And this is how we chase our tails as black people. We get into this thing if somebody says, oh, this was wrong, and they treated me as a racist, and then we all get mad and upset. And at the end of the day, what happened? What did we accomplish? We just got mad, and we just, we just went back to what we were doing after we got done with being mad.
6: Mm-hmm. You know, what was interesting to me is, uh, in the context of what you wrote at BreakingBrown.com, what is interesting to me is that people will, uh, for instance, we say that George Zimmerman murdering Trayvon Martin was a racist act. And we we hone in on the murder of Trayvon Martin, but we don't open our understanding of that in the context of how many Trayvon Martins that there happens in a 24-hour period, because we're responding to only one incident. The other is that if, and, and I want to get your response to this, if we capitalize, capsulize our reaction to to behave toward us personally and and I was really kind of floored by here's Oprah Winfrey uh on the top 100 richest witches people in the world uh whatever she is and 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 she's going to complain cuz somebody what what did the kids say? Slide eyed her.
4: <laughs> <Or laughs> slide eyed
6: <shaded> her. <laughs> I mean, come on. Over a $30,000 purse at that. So, help us to understand in the context you know, there will be people who say, "Well, there's no proper response." I I believe that we have to teach our children something about it because it's persistent, it's not going away. And if we can't teach our children, if we don't know, we we certainly can't pass it on. Now, I grew up in the Jim Crow South. I got the lessons. <laughs> you keep it moving. That's what you do. I mean, that that was that was the response of southern people you 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 achieve you get educated you get you know you 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 you, you get pride in the things that you do and pride in the people around you and that was a response but today i think that uh, we're calling we, we, Help me out here, Yvette. Our children are responding to every little thing.
4: Oh,
6: yeah. Well, you know, people say that there is no proper response, like you said, right? But
0: I can tell you what the proper response is not. It's not a bunch of poor and middle-class black people getting pissed off because a white woman in Switzerland and show Oprah Winfrey a $35,000 pocketbook. That's not (laughs) the right response. I can tell you that that's not what we should be doing, and I think we should all agree that that's not what we should be doing. Now, when you talk about proper, I'm not telling you what you can or cannot do, but just in terms of how you use your energy, to me it just seems like, responding to individual acts of racism with this sort of rage and this sort of rallying cry is futile. It's useless. What did you achieve? I'm all about achievement. Can you measure it? Okay, tell me what you achieved at the, middle, at the end of the day. After you rallied around Oprah, what happened? What, was there a bill passed? Was there a law passed? And either federal or state legislators, did something happened that protects your young black men, black boys, black girls, black mother, but there's something happen in that they know? The only thing that happened is that Oprah, you know, Oprah got a lot of press in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in in her movie, you know, that was coming up. That's the only thing that happened. Now, I'm not saying necessarily that she did that intentionally, but I'm saying that's all that happened. Nothing that happened benefited you or me or any other black person. We just got the opportunity to rally around the black billionaire, and for what?
4: Mm-hmm.
6: And the most interesting part of it, as you've already pointed out, is that we – drain our energies, and by the time that we become aware of, find opportunities to push back on institutionalized racism, we'll have an energy left. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think in many ways, Yvette, that's where we are. People are so worn out from fighting the little fires of racism that we don't have the ability to mobilize the capacity, the, the per, per, uh, per, 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 perseverance to mobilize around the issue of the prison industrial complex or police terrorism in our communities because we're busy fighting um, the little things. We don't have the ability to mobilize around the lack of the, the total incompetence of the EEOC or the FCC because we're worried about um, a redneck who is was elected to the House of Representatives who called the black president a lie in public.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: I or mean, not even were- anything
0: that big, or not even anything that large. It could, it could be a bumper sticker. You know, and I have no problem with publishing that stuff. I have a problem with the reaction that black people give. When I see a, a racist bumper sticker on a car, I laugh and look at the dumb redneck. I'm not mad at him. He probably has a room temperature IQ. I'm mad at him if he, if he, if he murders a black person, but then that's a problem if he gets away, if he gets away and he gets a sentence that's lighter than a white person would get, you know, and he gets off, that's a problem because that's a problem with the justice system, and we need to take that up with the legislature. We need to take that up with Congress. But I'm not bothered by someone who says that they don't like me or that they don't like black people. Just make sure you keep your hands to yourself. That is my issue. And this whole idea that we can get enraged just by what, just what one White person says about us, does about us enrages, us, enrages us in such a way that we're unable to actually tackle the system because the system is the real issue. The system is what we can change. You can't change what that white person feels about you, but the system, you have a shot at changing the system if you're focused, and we aren't focused.
6: What do you think we ought to be focused on? I think the main problem, honestly, facing African Americans um,
0: is, is income inequality. This is this, this sort of wage theft that's going on in this country where you have, you have big conglomerates, you have Goliath companies like Walmart, you know, where the, the heirs to the Walmart dynasty are sitting on billions, and they pay their people so little that they go on welfare even though they're working. This is income inequality. We've seen data come out for the last five years that shows that the, there are people making huge amounts of money out of this recession. But the, the, the vast majority of those people are the people in the top 1%. That's a problem. All the money is coalescing at the very top. That's impacting us disproportionately. Then you also have mass incarceration. That's something else that we have to deal with. So when you look at what we're facing, I don't have time to worry about whether or not, you know, someone who is a black elite is experiencing problems. I can, I can empathize but when it comes down to it we have bigger issues
4: mhm
6: mhm you know uh i read in the new york times uh a couple of months ago a a report about a report uh where uh a panel of commissioners who were uh asked to look at racism uh in our courts indicated that our courts are infested with racism. And what's interesting is I haven't seen any uh, major civil rights organization or black empowerment organizations uh, begin to take that part. Uh, and, And one of the most glaring pieces of that was two things that members of minority groups are less likely than whites to serve on juries, hmm. and that co- court officers are likelier to be openly hostile and racially biased than other court employees, and that, a, a third one, that black lawyers encounter racial bias, including jokes and racial stereotyping, which leads me to believe that if you have counsel who is black, they are not having the kinds of privileges that white counsel have in our courts. But I'm not hearing anybody talk about that. I I was hearing uh, at the time that people talking about Oprah Winfrey's $30,000 shopping trip. Which he backed (laughs) up.
0: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And there was an article about, um, it was right after Trayvon, it was, it, was, it was, no it wasn't, it was before Trayvon Martin. Um, it was actually a, a year or so ago back about how southern juries, you know, southern court officers meticulously, southern attorneys meticulously make sure that black people don't get on those juries. And that is, that is also a structural, like you said, that is a structural problem. That is a structural problem that we need to deal with. It's not just just this danger ground, y'all. There are several structural problems. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor called out a federal prosecutor for making a racist statement during court proceeding when the court when the case came to the Supreme Court. She did that.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: So I, I think that to, sometimes I I think that sometimes we have to ask stop people and say, you say it's racist. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, and we've got to stop letting these events um, uh, pick up the word racism without really analyzing it. I'm sorry, I, I interrupt you, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but but you're you know, um, my ears are working real good, but my um, <laughs> my reflexes are being pressed by age. Shut up, brother Brock.
4: <laughs>
6: but but I, I think that. It speaks to the issue, as someone is, as uh, India Declare of the I Declare show is saying in our chat room, it speaks to the issue of discipline, that there is Mm -hmm. a difference. And I have a hard time explaining this, Yvette, to people, that there is a difference between discrimination and racism. And there Mm -hmm. is a difference between response and reaction. And I think that's your, your essay, the proper response, the proper reaction to racism gets to those points. I mean, I talk about it here at Our Common Ground almost every Saturday night, that what we do is we react on an individual basis, but our response as a collective is very slow. Mhm. It, it, it's very that's slow.
0: Right. It's very slow. And and when I look back at when I look back, I've, I have a lot of conversations with people who are older than me. And I had a woman. She's a, she's a business owner, someone who I to respect, respect a great deal. And she said, you know. We never got caught up in this. We never got caught up in this. You, you did, he, she said, my parents, my grandparents owned a restaurant, people owned businesses. You did what you needed to do. You didn't get caught up or raise a huff because of things that didn't matter. Lynchings, those are important. Those things matter. How somebody looks at you or what they may or may not think of you is not important. I had a friend tell me, well, when I when I fly international on these, you know, and very expensive flights, and old white men look at me, and I know they're looking at me because they're wondering what this young black guy blah blah. blah. Oh, so now you're a mind reader. So now you know that this white guy who's looking at you funny is a racist. And even if he is, why do you care? You're going to ruin your flight thinking about this man who you perceive as a racist instead of enjoying the ticket that you paid for. what I just don't see a point. And I just don't see a point in us rallying around. We rally around individual incidents of racism more than we rally around things that could actually make a difference for the collective, and that makes no sense.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: But mm-hmm. Well, let's examine for a minute, Yvette, why people respond or react.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, so emotionally, you know we have a show on on Truthworks Network, which I own and 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 dr. Matthew Johnson is the host and he 's always talking about uh, our need to be sentimental, our need to be mm-hmm. emotional in uh, in our daily lives and and I think about that a lot, and one of the things is that what you have said in this piece is so important, and that is how black people have this need to be validated, and that validation that self the need for self validation I know comes out of the history it comes out of our history, but it's who we're asking to validate us i mean exactly when when I was growing up um there was there were certain people who I wanted to have a good impression about who I was, and then there were certain people I, I really didn't care, and that and and the caring and not caring came from who those people were in terms of how much I respected them, and what you've gotten to is that if we react to people who are racist whose behavior is racist toward us. We've got to ask the question, do I respect this person? Do I, and you've asked the question, do I require validation from this person? You do, now I mean,
4: we can call it, in it, the psychiatrist. A, <laughs> <laughs> but it's,
0: there's a name for it. It's the it's a, it's a politics of respectability. We've had this thing for a long time. This idea that white people would treat us better if we could just, if we would, if we would be respectable. And the problem is now that a lot of us have gotten respectable, we have nice jobs, we have nice clothes, and then we find out that a lot of white people still don't respect you. There's a a toothless white man right now who doesn't respect you, even though you have a law degree, the top of your class doesn't respect you. And that just burns you because that's not what you were told. You were told as long as you did everything right that people would respect you, that white people would like you, that the reason they didn't like you is because you were a thug or because black people were thugs or because white people were this or that. So they told you something that wasn't true, and now you're disappointed. Well, the problem is
6: you should never have put your trust in them in the first place. That's not where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And understanding who you want to give respect and to receive respect, and that is really measuring measuring how much you understand of yourself as a black person in America. You know, I, I just I, I think that people have to put themselves. In the context of who am I and what do I want? And then they can define the validation. I know you all are. Dying to get into this conversation with Yvette Cornell, and I'm taking up your time. Our number is 347-838-9852. Yvette, we're going to go to a break, and when I come back, I want to talk about the political in all of this, because I've got some problems with what we see out of the the clown cage down there in Washington um, uh, with our with our congressional black caucus, and 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 you all need to uh, really think that this is a very very serious consideration that you have to make an analysis. And Yvette Cornell from BreakingBrown.com is here to help us do it because your brother Tim Scott, Republican from South Carolina. He voted to keep it shut down and not raise the ceiling, and, and, and that's what you need to be worried about. You're listening to Our Common Ground. We'll be right back.
5: You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time.
6: Thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Stay
4: tuned.
6: Drilling down, just damn. When injustice becomes law, resistance.
7: This is Alpha, hosting the best of Pushback Talk
6: Radio. The Alpha Show, only at TruthWorks Network, Fridays, 10 p.m.
8: A child who lives with domestic violence lives in darkness. She sees things no child should see and hears things no child should hear. She struggles to separate her nightmares from reality because there's very little difference. The child who lives with domestic violence isn't afraid of the dark. She's afraid of her dad because the monster doesn't live in her closet. It's just down the hall. And when she grows up, she'll be more likely to be abused. And her brother, he'll be twice as likely to become a monster himself because that's the world they know. When a woman lives with domestic violence, she's completely devastated because the person she should be able to turn to has turned on her. And she thought he'd change once they got married, had a child, or when he got a better job, but he never did. And she's tried to make things better, but she can't make him stop. So when she locks the door at night, she's not keeping danger out, she's keeping it in and she feels hopeless, ashamed, and completely trapped. When a woman lives with domestic violence, she hears voices and she feels completely alone. But she's not the only one. Maybe you don't live with domestic violence. Maybe you don't wake up every day shaking or jump every time the phone rings. But maybe you should look a little harder. Maybe it's a friend, a co-worker, or your neighbor. And maybe you could offer support, a number to call, or point to a way out. Your help could make all the difference. We need everyone to bring domestic violence into the light.
5: India Declare. Real, raw, and
2: right now.
6: Join India Declare. Real, raw, and right now. Fridays and Saturdays, 11 a.m. It's the I Declare Friday and Saturday brunch. If you want your news real and your talk raw and right now, it's Friday and Saturday. India Declare at the I Declare brunch. Real, raw, and right now. India is live. Friday and Saturday morning. 11 a.m. The I Declare Show with India Declare. On Blog Talk Radio.
2: India
5: Declare. Real, raw, and right now.
2: The most powerful force on the earth. A soul of fire. Soul of fire
1: soul soul a fire fire soul of fire fire fire
6: spirits soul, soul of fire spirit
3: be not a pin works soul a fire with Dr. Matthew V. Johnson. Soul
1: of fire
4: with Dr. Matthew V. Johnson live common riveting talk radio stalking the flames within premiering on the truthworks network and save, the and save us from the madness 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 this is our common ground
6: thank you for joining us tonight <laughs>
5: Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, back to Janice.
6: And thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. We do want to make a program note tonight. Cheryl Lynn, uh, the artist you just heard, got to be real. Uh, Passed away at age 68 this week, and um, uh, she was one of uh, a generation of black artists that brought real music to us. Tonight at Our Common Ground, our guest is Yvette Cornell. She is the editor of Breaking Brown and Your Black World. Thank you Yvette, again for being with us and uh before we went to break I want to tell you you your black world and com, you're doing some fantastic work. Thank you the di- thank you. the discourse is so on point that um I everyone in this audience ought to be subscribed to both of those. And thank you so very much. We've been – the independents are really doing the work. And uh, I'm going to ask everybody in this audience to pass it on uh, so that we don't lose the independents. Let me ask you about the sausage-making down in Washington, D.C., and this whole issue of institutionalized – Uh, racism, the way in which um, the sausage is made on public policy?
4: Well,
0: you know, first of all, I just want to thank you for that. Um, You know, we try to, one of the biggest problems is that we don't really have a lot of independent black news organizations, so we try to do what we can.
6: So I, I really appreciate that. Well, we certainly have you um, uh, linked uh, on our websites and on our Facebook pages, and um, we we copy stuff, and we put it up. We give everybody the credit, but we
4: <laughs> we just
6: link everywhere. And thank you. Yeah. No problem, no
0: problem. But I actually, that was part of the reason that I left the Hill, and I keep saying white people, and I want to, I want to, I don't want to say that. I don't want to interchange white people and white races. A lot of wonderful white people came out and voted for Barack Obama and thought they were going to get something radical and bless your hearts. Wonderful people, so I don't want to keep. So you talk about white people, though. No, I'm talking about white races. But one of the reasons that I decided to actually leave the Hill, because it was apparent to me that, that nothing was happening. They were just kind of moving around the chairs. And the reason that they were moving the chairs around and not really doing anything is because they didn't have to do anything. There isn't a poor people's movement. There isn't a middle-class movement. There isn't a movement on the ground. As a matter of fact, what you find most of all is is poor people, black people, middle-class people protecting and defending rich people. If you say, hey, you know, this corporation didn't pay taxes – What about that? Oh, you're a hater. Why do you got to be like that? I wouldn't pay taxes if I was a big company either. It's just like, but you're not a big company, and you'll probably never be a big company. And I'm not trying to kill anybody's dreams, but America isn't what it used to be in terms of climbing that ladder. So why don't you vote, and why don't you think based on where you are right now in the totem pole? And if you get up there, then you can make a change if you want to. But right now, this is where you are, and this is where you need to think and strategize from. So I just, you know, you know, I, I told somebody today on, on, on Facebook I was like Christopher Hitchens said, you know, it's more important what's more important than actually speaking truth to power is speaking truth to people who are who are like you or poor people or mm-hmm. people who are in your I nexus.
3: love What's most Bridges.
6: important? Bridges. Now he is I person, agree with him all the time but hey he is one person that I haven't had on our common ground in our twenty eight years. And well, I passed been, away <laughs> I'm thinking about for Hedges. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're thinking about Hedges. Chris Hedges from Truthdig, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he he was very controversial. But you did have to stop and think about what Hitchens had to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right. I didn't agree with him on a lot of stuff. I didn't agree
0: with him on feminism, on the Iraq War, on a whole host of things. But the truth, the truth. The truth is the truth, and the truth is he, you know, he spent a lot of time with a lot of radicals and a lot of revolutionaries, and he kind of understand, understood how the beast works, even when he agreed with the beast when he shouldn't have. So I think you have to talk to the people because what's happening now is that we don't have a critical mass. People say, well, you know, we should be doing this. Yeah, but there are not enough of us who believe that we should be doing this, who don't see the urgency in doing this. So unless you can convince those people that what you're advocating is the right thing to do,
4: then we're still stuck. Mhm, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just it's just
6: very interesting. Um up until about ten years ago I used to go to the Congressional Black Caucus weekend or week or whatever. And I just got bored with it number one. Number two, I thought that nothing was coming out of it. And there were so many issues. Let me give you one example and ask you to talk about how racism really works and what racism really is, and that is around the issue of tax credits and corporatism in this country and how our policymakers support that.
0: Well, the issue, the issue as far as I'm concerned, the issue is, is money and politics in that regard. Because what you have, even in terms of you look at a lot of these brokerage houses, these brokerage houses on Wall Street every, from these hedge funds that engineered the crisis, willfully engineered this crisis in terms of what they did in terms of these, these things that they pushed off to pension funds and international bankers as, as, as AAA-rated securities when they knew they were trash. So when you look at what these scammers have done, but they have billions of dollars, so they don't get punished, the lawmakers, why? Because those lawmakers need that money. Those lawmakers want, if nothing else, to get reelected. That's all they want. So we're in quite a predicament, and if we really, really understood that, everybody would be pushing for some sort of constitutional amendment. All people under in America who, who made less than a million dollars a year would probably be pushing for that. But we don't even understand that. And if I write something about that, people won't even flock to it. But if you say something... You know, so you have to do what I what I've come to term as sometimes Trojan horse articles, where you where you talk about one thing as you know a black person got beat up, but then in in within that article you talk about how this has become a problem and this is embedded in the sheriff's department and so on and so forth. So I think all of these things are interlinked in a certain sort of way, and I think we really have to find a a way to grapple with it at the ground roots level.
6: And and where is it – you know, people say a lot – say that a lot, um, the ground ground roots level. Where is the ground roots? That's what I want to know. The ground – when poor people talk for poor people, you're at a ground root level. If you have a membership
0: organization, you have a a middle class person or a poor person who works for that membership organization where people pay dues and people are are invested in that and are speaking for themselves – then you're down there, you're down there at the bottom. These are people talking for themselves. They ride around their own issues. They have their own things that they're fighting for. They're not taking orders from anyone. But if you look on TV and you see someone like Al Sharpton giving, speaking as this sort of race provocateur, saying that he's tapped into the black psyche and he knows what black people think and feel. That is not a grassroots movement. That is no movement. He can't can't mobilize 100,000 people, 200,000 people, a million people, two million people, the the kind of people that we need to actually do things. The last time I saw anybody do that, it was Farrakhan. And the reason that was so successful, in my view, among white people is because that was the only, like Dr. Adolph Williams said, that's the only place that you saw black people come together, black men, and talk about how they weren't doing the right thing and how they weren't taking care of business. So, of course, black White people cheer that. Yeah, you aren't taking care of business. You three-fourth a man still. No, that's sort of nonsense. So you just have to see. So when you get back to your question in terms of what's the grassroots, we don't have a lot of it anymore. We don't have a lot of membership organizations where people actually say, I'm a member of this because they rally around what I want to rally around, which is income inequality. Instead, what you have is these catch-all groups. And when you have a catch-all group, you'll have a big group, like you'll say maybe the NAACP or something, which is a membership organization, but you'll have so many issues dispersed. Like they'll, if, if Forrest Whitaker gets stopped, the NAACP will say something, and they'll say something. If, if a young black boy gets killed, then they'll say something else if somebody doesn't get paid enough. You're scattered everywhere. You don't really stand for anything. It's if a black person is involved, there you are. That's not anything. You need, if you have this group, it should be just for, you know, this is for people who get W-2s. This is for people who work for a living. This is for factory workers who, who are afraid for their, for their lives and they don't get time off when they're sick or when they, when they get a limb cut off. They don't, you know, they get proper compensation. You have to have these different groups that rally around their particular interests, not these bit catch-all, we, we're together because we're black mm-hmm. groups.
6: Well, you know, you bring that up and one of the reasons that uh the group that Bertha Lewis had organized and had been around relative to get out the vote and action relative to employment and labor issues and benefits um, they blew the the, the the Congress blew them away because there was a purpose to it. Mhm. You know, and 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 then we have black people and brown people who are trying very hard to be to usher in the issue of institutionalized racism uh, in organ in in labor organizations and unions, the nurses union, the teachers union, the teachers union. You know, don't get me wrong, teachers union is nothing more than a neoconservative. Uh, don't get me started on that but but black people are not uh, mobilizing and organizing around their interests i mean i look i live in the city of boston and i look around and we've got two major candidates running for mayor that we're going to elect in november one says that he is For He is an education candidate, and the other says that he is a labor uh, candidate, and the black people are running around in Boston trying to figure out how do we measure which is the person that we ought to support, and I'm sitting thinking, why don't we have a candidate who is both? And it's because we have not mobilized. At the grassroots level, to address the issues of the people that we say, you know, we say we we love, we you know, we throw around Malcolm X pictures and T-shirts and stuff, uh, <laughs> and and it, it comes to naught all the time, and we end up in this quagmire, and the quagmire is we don't have political. Options.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: No,
0: I think you're exactly right, and I think you let, let me just let me just say one thing that we have to kind of kind of wrap our heads around: the interests of all Black people aren't the same. We we had that day was over after after we were allowed to vote. Before that, there was one thing that solidified all Black people, and that was the fact that they won't let us vote. After that was over, we don't have one big thing that, that, that solidifies us you know i have the tv on mute right now but don lemon's on his issues are not my <laughs> issues i'm not rallying with don lemon on anything so so you have to you have to, we have to kind of accept that that just because other just because an, a, a one black person feels a certain way or just because you know this person is black i have to be on this person's team because historically you've had a lot of elite black people who have really done a lot of damage to poor and middle class Black people, you have you've had that throughout history. You had that with Booker T. So you have to be very very careful in terms of this whole unity thing. Everybody says we have to be united. Not necessarily. We have to unite around certain issues and other people who who are on our team in terms of that issues. And and, and that means good white people, good Latinos, so people who feel the same way about about labor, who feel the same way about you know income inequality if that's our issue. But you can't you can't continue to kind of say that, you know, black people have to bond together. No, we don't, because Sean P. Diddy Combs, his issues aren't my issues, but he's black. So it doesn't mean that much. These, you know, when you, even when you look at capitalism, people, people always cheer when we see somebody like Magic Johnson who owns a bunch of McDonald's and blah, 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 and we say we cheer like, he he's made it, one of us, he's there, and he owns all this stuff. But does, does Magic Johnson pay his McDonald's employees any more than the white capitalist pays his McDonald's employees? No. So it's like, what have you gained? What are you talking about? So the way these wage wars and these things that we have to really do in order to take back, take back our country, take back our issues, take back the labor movement—they don't necessarily involve white right people who are at the top end of the scale because a lot of those people don't agree with us. Mm-hmm.
6: mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's very interesting because I think we're 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 stuck in time over the first. You know, I haven't seen any, for instance, black people raising the issue of Jay. I can't think of his name. the the uh, The president's nominee for the new Homeland Security mm. um, uh, secretary. Yeah.
4: Um.
6: And and this man has clearly, Jay Johnson, I think his name is. This man has clearly been in support of killing um anybody who's in the way of a drone because it's in the interest as he says it or he defines it of the United States of America and its democracy um so you're 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 absolutely right and and it also goes into play about it's the my my father used to call it the fissures we're still <laughs> stuck in a time where we're measuring everything about the first, the first African-American president, the first African-American this, that, and the other. Uh, Notice we don't have the first uh, African-American, again, Secretary of State because he really messed up. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, um, so we do get into a sentimentality. Uh, about how we measure our our validations, going back to the whole validations. You're listening to Our Common Ground at 347-838-9852. If you'd like to get into this conversation with our guest tonight, Yvette Cornell, she is the editor of Your Black World and BreakingBrown.com. So our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two, and I am warning you out there. Listen very carefully. If you don't get on the line before this broadcast begins, you don't get to join me in my decompensate, decompressing music festival that I have at the end of this broadcast. I want to be DJ, and if you want to get in on it, you better get in on it before midnight. You have to call in to listen to the festival. fact, let me ask you a question about independent media. You were talking uh, a little bit about it earlier. Do you think that this whole idea, concept of how we respond to individual needs, Individual thing, you know, is it happening? In I, I, I just have to ask you: Is it happening in terms of white ice that is colder?
0: You know, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I haven't wrapped Do you my think head around
6: that. I think about that a lot. You
0: think about that you
6: know? a lot? Yeah, I, I, I I, th- I, I just think about that a lot. Like, um, I was the tenth customer to sign up. For XM Radio, because hmm. I'm just a gadget kind of person. I just got to have it all.
4: <laughs> and
6: when they when they announced, I mean, I'm all I'm, I'm serious about that. Uh, that's the kind of person I am. When they made, started making CD players, I hmm. had a CD player before I could even buy a CD. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I had to order CDs. So here we are. We have. XM Radio, we have MSNBC, we got True TV, I think that went away, I don't know. Uh, We got Al Jazeera America, we got Al Jazeera, the other Al Jazeera, the BCC, and on the other side of the spectrum in independent news, um, we've got the Amsterdam News, we've got the San Francisco Gate, we've got you, we've got Dr. Watkins, we've got me, we've got India Declare, we've got TruthWorks Network. But somehow, even though we provide on, the other, on this side of independent, we provide probably a better product. Come, I mean, I was taught in business school, if you build it, they will come and and I went to business school at the time that plastic was becoming important. <laughs> so so um you know I mean I I'm not getting it. Are you getting it? No, let me tell you. Let me tell you. You know,
0: part of news nowadays is is sometimes the way it's framed. Framing is very 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 important. You can have one story that, that I'll catch, you know, from AP or something, and I'll write about it and I'll frame it in a certain way, and I'll still link back to, or, 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 if I link back to AP, in uh-huh. terms of in terms of the story that I'm talking about, I will see people click on the AP story and share the AP story instead of sharing the Breaking Brown story. Now, hey, now they don't do that. You,
6: They
4: don't.
6: You're singing my song. <laughs> they don't do that on. I, Boxer. Boxer I, I have do that do happen that, to me on happen. Facebook all the time. Um. <laughs> All the time, people will pick up my link and do it individually. And I, I'll tell you another thing: you all better listen up real quick, because you don't think that I don't see it happening. They'll pick the, they'll pick up a share a man's link of the same link that he just picked up from me. Mm. What? <laughs> and you know, and I'm old enough to to kind of not say anything about it, but. Um, I, I'm not a I'm not a writer. I'm a business writer, and so I I could never blog because I can't be, you know. Like you're so clever sometimes. You're just I mean, you're just you know. <laughs> like I can I can swing when I'm reading your stuff. People will freeze up when they're reading my stuff. <laughs> 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 I could never get away from having to have all the facts in front of the reader, mm. you know.
4: Yeah. So.
6: Uh, I, I pick that up. I pick it up a lot, in the sense that um, we are producing in the interests of Black people.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Yet, Black people seem to value in their in in in, in their choices products. I don't know, products that are created outside of the independent black and brown market.
0: I think so. And, I,
6: think, I think, honestly, I can't remember the writer's
0: name, but she writes for Ebony. She's a Facebook friend, and she, she, she remarked something that struck me um, after the president, made, the president gave a speech, um, and she remarked on how many black people were posting links about the speech from white media. Um, as opposed to black media. She remarked, you know, that even some of the people who worked with her were posting links to to Uh white media, you know, Uh and I, I mean, it's remarkable to me
6: that yeah, that,
0: yeah. And, and people and people will criticize and say, well, I, I I don't like some of the stories. And I'll tell people, I'll tell people straight up. Listen, if you see something that needs to be written, you know, and 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 Dr. Watkins was one who helped me realize this. And I was like, well, you know, I'll do this with my blog too. If you see something that needs to be written and it hasn't written about, if you write it and it's decent, I'll put it up. I'm not I'm not restricting you. If you hit uh-huh. me up an editor at breakingbrown.com and say, hey, I wrote this. I think this is a really good story. I'll give it to you. I'll link it back to your blog, whatever you want to do. I'm not keeping you out. But you're not going to be able to do that at Politico. You're not going to be able to do that at Associated Press. Nobody else is going to give you that opportunity, and yet you're
6: not coming to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have often wondered what would happen if there was a true independent black news hub. And people could go right into uh, one place and go to and, and U.S. new black newspapers used to try to do that, and it stopped working for for whatever reason. I'm not sure why it stopped working. It wasn't working, but I, I think we you know that's what I tried to do with TruthWorks Network is make it the Black Radio Collaborative. Mm-hmm. Not everything I, I, I divorced it from our common ground. I've been doing this for twenty eight years. And I divorced it from our common ground because I didn't want the content of what I do to affect what the content of what TruthWorks does. So, um I'm I, I'm not sure if people are getting what we're saying. And and, and in the context of your article, in the context of your article, we're talking about you have to be part of a collective. And nothing's going to change the crazy house at the White House or the crazy halls of Congress until we begin to identify in a collective way. Hey, Yvette, we've got some callers uh, that want to talk to you. Uh, let's switch off and uh, take some calls.
4: Sure. You.
6: 610, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call.
7: Um, you know I respect you and yours, Hotel uh, Brother Brock over here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania.
6: Brother Brock, thank you for joining us. You got a question or a comment you want to make with, to Yvette Cornell of BreakingBrown.com?
7: Uh, concerning the uh, uh racism, how to respond. Uh mm-hmm. yes, I did not I did not get a chance to, to look at your uh Janice. Uh you had a um a website for us to go to and I believe that had an answer, so hopefully I'll get a chance to look at that later. But to It raises the questions, question,
6: it who, doesn't answer. Well, it does have an answer, but
7: go okay. ahead and make your comment, uh, Brother Rock. So the, the question for Ms. Uh, did you say her name? Je- jeanette Le- Janet? Yvette Cornell. Yvette, Yvette, excuse me, Uh Yvette Cornell. My question would be, are you factoring, I've heard plenty of your comments this evening, are you factoring in, and I don't think I heard you factoring, the economic part of the response that we might give or the response we may not give concerning racism when we are confronted with it. And the reason I say that is, obviously, years ago, people responded one way. I mean, when I say years ago, 50 years ago, before, during the uh, civil rights struggle, even going further back during uh, slavery. But fast forward to today, when ec- economics plays a, 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 a vital, vital role, more so than before, because we have more at stake now. You know, people have four, five, three, four cars, one or two houses, college, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the, and, 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 and with jobs being so scarce, I see people all day, all night, all the time, take it and grin it and don't say nothing, whatever. And, and, and if they do, they lose their job, and there's no real support to help you get that job back. So how do you respond how do you see that as a lack of response to on the economic hardship that would happen? It's just like you see people talking at the water fountain because they're scared to talk out loud, so they still huddle at the water fountain the same way they did 50 years ago. They won't say it out loud, but they'll hush-hush say it at the water fountain.
6: Let's get a response, See that? Well,
0: I do, believe, I do believe that discrimination in the workplace uh, is, a, is a very big issue. I think, I think if you are... I think you have a right to respond even legally with legal counsel if you if you feel like you can that is something that is a recourse that is available for you. I think that is actually one of the times especially if this company has a history of of bias like you I think it was like you saw with the the reason I don't know I don't want to say the wrong thing but maybe I don't know whether it was Morgan Stanley or some a, a big financial house recently settled a a big discrimination lawsuit where they Basically, in the majority of their brokerage, house, they didn't have any black brokers. So I think if you are faced with something like that, I think you have to react in a way that, 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 that takes that company to account. So I don't put that in the same category as somebody looked at me this way or somebody followed me. That impacts your life. That impacts your welfare. That impacts your income. That impacts your family. These other small instances don't really do that. So I, I see them in a, in a sort of different light
7: separation of, of, okay, I, I guess I, I can follow that. I kind of still see it one and the same because even if it's outside the workplace, it eventually comes down to your workplace because it's going to come back at you somehow or another because just like we said before, the validation part, okay. even if it's outside the workplace, Somehow or another, you know, people feel as though they have to be validated, and they can't even say what happened outside the job when they get to the job, because now somebody's going to label you the angry black man, the angry black woman, and then you can lose your job over that. So from the way I see it, and I fight hard, so I, I'm definitely not including myself in this conversation. Well, yeah, I take well let, me, let right, me say something,
6: the Brother Brock, uh, about the workplace. A workplace is an institution and if there are patterns and practices of racist behavior which is acceptable and tolerated in your workplace there are laws which protect you from that and when those laws are being violated it is a form of institutionalized racism and what we're what we have been suggesting is that that's worth the capital to address
7: it. Okay. Well
0: you know, I'm hang up and keep but going in a
6: workplace on. if you've got if you've got a person who isn't affecting how much you make, whether you get promoted, whether you get fired, whether or not if it's just a matter of you're gonna have a bad day, um, I think you have to weigh how much emotional Capital you put in it, and 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 that we haven't talked about the toll it takes when on 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 black people when they are reacting to racism all the time on an individual basis. I mean the high blood pressure, health problems, emotional problems, uh, racial harassment for some people can kick off trigger mental health problems that they didn't know they had, depression, all of that stuff. So, Brother Brock, I I think that one of the things that we have to think about is how do we begin to discipline ourselves, to teach ourselves personally, how not to internalize every incident, of individualized racism that you face Because otherwise, you know you, We we wouldn't have a very, very healthful life
7: That's right, I, that's right You'd be stressed out, you're right
6: Uh-huh You know, um, I mean We're not saying just bear it and take it We're saying measure how you're going to respond rather than reacting on a personal on a personal basis.
4: Oh, you know great. because
6: I can Do I can walk face. into I can walk into um one of these fabulous stores or fabulous malls. And I know when I walk into a, a place with a a bag in my hand or whatever, somebody's going to be watching me. No matter how much my earrings cost, no matter how much I've spent to to have makeup put on, I mean we see it, we know about it we we do it you know okay. um,
7: Mama. pardon me I'm gonna hang up and keep on li- I'm, I'm gonna hang up and keep on listening because I know somebody else wants to chime in so but um I understand wholeheartedly yes
6: okay, and I hope you're well in uh philadelphia p a
7: Sure enough, no doubt.
6: And I was worried about you. I've been asking about you. Working long (laughs) hours,
7: and half the time I'm not near the phone when I work those long hours, and they sign, (laughs) they sign. Well, best wishes to you you and your
6: family, Brock. Okay, we're going to go to 404. You're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call.
2: Hello, can you hear me?
6: Uh, You've got to turn up your volume a little bit. I can't turn it up for you. Come closer uh-huh. to the phone.
2: Hold on, I gotta find a spot. <laughs> How you doing, Ms. Janice?
6: I'm, I'm doing Janet. fine, four or four. How you doing?
2: I don't know. <laughs>
6: you're spotless, let's say. Uh, you're on the air with uh, Yvette Cornell. She is the editor of Your Black World and BreakingBrown.com. We recommend that you subscribe.
2: Are you yes, in the ma'am. spot yet? Yes, ma'am. If you can hear me better, I am.
6: Okay, you got to talk up a little little bit more.
2: Okay. I, if you can hear me better, I am. You're fine. You're fine now. Right there? Right there. Okay. All right. Uh, first, of all, I just want to just thank my highest power that you all are here right now and doing what you are doing with your presence. Their, their ability to, to breathe, you know, because it's it moved to another plateau, in my personal opinion. This, my, this is Stuart. Uh, oh, Stuart Clinton. Clinton, good to hear from you. Brother? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am.
6: I'm, I'm and thank humble. you so much for your support. You're always supportive of this program.
2: Yeah, I thought you were talking about me earlier when you <laughs> you talked about me <laughs> carrying stuff from white Sight. <laughs> <Not> no, <yet. laughs> no, no, not you <laughs> I don't know, we use a lot of, I'm just learning and opening up, you know To where uh-huh.
4: I'm
2: able to, to try and find a, a way to digest it and, and, and process it And see that, uh, Sister Odom was saying, lift as you climb, you know uh, Uh-huh That's like finding my place along the ladder, it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> and you get, I you, got you well, you are the, you are exactly the, the point that you all were making is is major as far as people using black media. Uh, I use all media as much as I can see media, but I'm a media major so yeah but um, still that trend is so true. but what I'm finding like is on in both the television as well as the radio shows, um, people are, are the, the other media is picking up the deeper media. Quicker than we can reach the audience that they reach. I mean, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. that's a mm-hmm. blessing when you when you're hearing it echo, you know, throughout everywhere. When you originated that 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 that, that dynamic or that pain, you know, that you know that that, that, that rhythm, that, that vibration, you know, on that subject, on these subjects, or the holistic perspective of subject, you know. Uh, so we get represented uh, mm-hmm. In, in mm-hmm. the way that that. Is actually speaking truth to power, you know. Consistent. I, I, I apologize because I didn't I didn't tune in early enough uh, to, to hear the earlier part of the show. And uh, and while you were talking over the last ten minutes, I was watching uh, Alvarez. There's a world title fight going on right now. But, uh, well, you got you got to do something about your DVR. Hey, Stuart, we we really appreciate your your
6: support of the program, uh, and. Glad to hear from you. Haven't heard from you for a while. I'm going to go because you're you're so low that it uh, it's not picking up. But what I want to recommend to you and others who came into the program late, that this program is available in our archives immediately following this broadcast. Yes, ma'am. It's been a little late because fifteen minutes. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm 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 doing my, my decompression uh, <laughs> DJing thing uh in the last couple of weeks, but it'll yeah. be there by twelve by midnight and a half. Thank you, yeah. Stuart. I'm gonna would you like me to put you on hold?
4: Yes, please um, you,
6: Okay. Stuart Clinton, uh one of our very faithful uh supporters of this program, so glad to to hear from him um Yvette, uh, because you know, we have to value the people who value us.
4: Mhm.
6: Now exactly before right. b- before we have to uh uh before you have to go, one of the things I wanna ask you to talk about is your Black World and Breaking Bad dot com.
0: Did you just say Breaking Bad?
6: (laughs) (laughs) It does break bad. (laughs) Breaking Brown. (laughs) Breaking Brown. (laughs) Are you a a fan (laughs) of yourself? I don't know you'll be doing the Walter White thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that
0: tough. I'm not that tough. But don't don't spoil it for me. I didn't even see the season finale because I'm behind. So don't spoil it
6: for me. No, I won't. I said I I was going to do a special Um. You know, I'm a cancer survivor, and I never oh, watched that's... TV until I had cancer. And I couldn't do very much more during the 12 weeks I was in chemotherapy and and um, treatment, but watched TV. And I discovered TV. I had never heard of The Wire or The Sopranos or any of that stuff. So, I'm I'm really into series kinds of things and Break It Bad was one of my shows. So I'll invite you <laughs> when we have our <laughs> T V special. Uh I said yes, you
0: once I see it all we we should discuss that. But uh, just in terms of uh of your black world I came on to your Black World first. Um Doctor Boyce Watkins and I had a conversation. This was well before, you know, your black world kinda of blew up. Um, and 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 became successful in the black media sphere. And yeah, I appreciated your black world for some of the main reasons that that um, you and I talked about. You know, it was it was that was Dr. Boyce Watkins, that was his baby. So when 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 he asked when we when he talked to me about coming on board, I was happy to come on board because I wanted to be a part of black owned media. I was I was like, yeah, this isn't and I have no dislike of these other media companies. but I was like, yes, this isn't this isn't the Grio which is owned by MSNBC. This isn't the Root, which is owned by the Washington Post. This is an independent thing, and let's see if we can make this work. So it picked up traction, and then I used, and I still write for Your Black World, and then I used Breaking Brown to sort of, Your Black World is a hub for just black news. It's, 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 the motto for Your Black World is just everything. It's Your Black World, good, bad, smart, you know, all of that stuff. It's all there. You know, breaking brown is more of we tell you stories that we see out there that we think you need to know about. What I talk about is that you shouldn't react to that story necessarily with rage, but I want you to know what's going on. It takes more of a liberal perspective, whereas your black world is everything. Breaking brown, we're a little bit more liberal and we like to really just show you and zone in on things. We don't do any we don't do any celebrity news, we don't do any of that. But we like to zoom in and just tell you, okay, this is really happening. This thing just happened. You know, 53% of white people feel that black people are at their level. And mind you, they still go on and say that black people are taking up all the welfare. How can these two things both be true? So we just like to put it all out there and frame it in such a way that makes it useful for the reader. Um, and that's just, that's just that's just what we try to do with Breaking Brown, and we try to just keep it mixed up. We try to give you a little bit of cultural stuff. We talk a little bit about Booker T. We talk a little bit about Harriet Tubman, give you life lessons from Octavia Butler, and then we still give you news. So we just try to mix it up.
6: <laughs> well, I really appreciated the Octavia Butler I have pretty much worshipped for many, many years um, and was so saddened uh, to have lost her. Um, and you you recently uh, wrote about her work on BreakingBrown.com, and folks, you will not find that on other blogs. We used to have a feature here on Our Common Ground when we were with U.S. Talk Network called The, uh, the Angry Black Bitch, uh, who is Shark Fu, who is just a very talented, talented writer and thinker. Um, And I think that we need to really begin to think that Maureen Dodd is thinking not outside the box, but inside her own box. Breaking Mm -hmm. Brown is thinking inside our box. And that is why it is so important to support uh, blogs like, and news outlets like Breaking Brown Media and Your Black World. It is so important folks. So please do subscribe. Yvette, I have so much enjoyed our conversation. You're gonna to have to come back.
0: Oh, I love, love to. I love to. I've I've had a ball. I, I I do radio a good deal now and I've had more fun tonight than I've had in a long time. <laughs> so well, I enjoyed
6: we, it very much.
0: We definitely have to do this we, again.
6: I mean, you know, I have to I have to make sure that I have very smart, very clever, uh, very insightful people on our common ground because um after 28 years, um I I sometimes get too serious.
4: Hmm. So,
6: I have enjoyed your energy and I certainly have enjoyed your writing for many years. I mean, I mean, I I went back and I looked and it was it was more than a year ago um, that you and I first connected to to have you uh, uh, consider coming on the show, and I'm so very, very pleased to have you. And I know that the people out in my audience, and you know, one of the things that you have to do, folks, is you have to feedback, give input. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, I always ask for input on our Facebook page, for, for each one of these broadcasts, and nobody ever says anything. Nobody ever likes it. Nobody ever shares it. You you people got to get busy. And um, our our administrative producer is in our chat room, and she's going to be getting at people, as, as my mother used to say. Don't let Elle Michelle start getting at you. So we want to make sure that you go to BreakingBrown.com and leave your comments about um visit with us at Our Common Ground. And make sure you go to our Facebook page. And Twitter us. She's at Breaking Brown. I'm at Janice OCG. Um, we need to let the public know that these are the kinds of programs, this, the kind of blogs, the kind of news that you want. Otherwise, me writing to the president of XM Serious Radio about why, dear friend Dr. Wilma Leon is not on on daily on a daily basis and why they're Leon. feeding us tablum on on serious Radio and I'm paying for it and then I still have to suffer through their. I mean, I, I, one of the things is we've got to measure is when we see racism in it. Framed in an institution, we have to break it down for them. No other broadcast outlet, even NBC is trying to get it right, would allow a radio channel that says they're they're for the black people, but they did change the name, so maybe they're not for the black people, but anyway. <laughs> got to get it right about where our voice is and how we voice our issues, and that's why what Yvette Cornell at BreakingBrown.com did for us the week this week when she asked the question, the proper reaction to racism. Yvette, please do come back, and I have so much enjoyed it. If you'd like me to put you on mute so you can hear the rest of the program, I will do that. But uh, I have um I am I'm so honored to to have you. You are a wonderful voice out there. I I, I thank you for having me. I've I've, I've very much enjoyed it and
0: I, you know, I really do, you know, implore people, you know, to 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 spend more time with your program, to spend more time with my blog, to spend more time with people who will actually support you. You know, if you have something going on in your neighborhood, you're not going to be able to call these other people and say, hey, this happened to me and this is happening to us. Please report about it. They're not coming. We'll come. So in the meantime, know.
6: you know, because we're supporting you, we would like you to support us. That's right. And and we've got to be smarter about it, too, because I run ads for the Black Agenda Report. They're having a conference in New York this week, and I mm-hmm. didn't get my little mouse pads our common ground mouth down there to their conference and that would have been a wonderful thing. That was stupid of me and I got to get do better at that myself.
4: So yeah, thank yeah
6: you I actually so intended to go. So yeah, I intended to go and didn't make it.
0: But so I, I, yeah. I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And they do great work as well.
6: Yep, that's right. Yvette Carnell of BreakingBrown.com and Your Black World. Thank you so much and we'll see you thank when you, you return
5: transforming truth to power one broadcast at a time our common ground with janice graham
1: champion this cause of something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong but I don't know what it is and then he set her up by backing off
7: well if she will come and talk to her Wait, right? yeah, and yeah, she yeah. came and
1: talked to you not alone, she came and talked with the CIA guy sure did. and he basically backed up everything she said but now they have larger concerns now they're crying and whining about the filibuster and the reform of the filibuster Not only should they reform the filibuster, they should drop the nuclear option on the filibuster. And when you hear people like Mitch McConnell saying that if they do this, this will poison the well forever, well, I'll take your
2: threat and I'll raise you to shove it in your behind.
4: Right, raucous, and
6: reason. Advanced, urban, progressive, political talk radio. The Alpha Show.
1: Only at TruthWorks Network, Friday, 10 p.m.
5: You're listening to our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Transforming Truth to Power, one broadcast at a time.
6: Pausing at our common ground for a moment of deeper consciousness. At our common ground. Freeing our black mind and opening our black eyes.
4: Oh, All
1: uh, happy to declare their recognition by good white folks. It is predictable that some of us are still engaged in the self-destructive process of tearing each other down as we try to build ourselves up. It is predictable that some of us still disrespect the essence of who we really are. It is predictable that there will be people who will be at war with our Africanness, who will not see dignity in who we are, because that's the consequence of what has happened to us. It is predictable that we would have to work through the very mentality that all of our people must come through. But AB5, as is the African person, is not a creation of scientific, empirical, and rational consequences. This organization, this entity, this body, this light, our very presence as African people, is the consequence of something that is transcendent, we must understand that we represent not only the residue of this insanity, but most importantly, we represent the very hope of our people. We are, as Maisha says so beautifully, we are the very best. As bad as we are, sorry to say, we are still the very best. And for any of those who may dare to feel that this entity has a finite life, for any of you who may believe that this thing is capable of dying, for any of you who may be deceived by the illusion of the madness, I want you to know that God put this thing in place. It is sustained by ancestral spirits of energy that reach back to the very origin of civilized life on this planet. It is sustained by the energy of humanity at its best. And so in spite of the illusions of death, there is no death. Dr. Gavoso this morning said that we must understand that there is no death in the life cycle. The life cycle is a continuous life. And we represent the fruition and the demonstration of the principle of the Banu bird. The Banu new bird, of course, is the cosmic origin of what the phoenix bird became for the Greeks. And that is, it became a symbolic imagery of life emanating out of the ashes. You see, African people in America were decimated, destroyed, not just physically wiped out, but physically deteriorated, derogated, disrespected, killed, mentally killed, spiritually killed. We died three crucifixions and were buried for three days. And we have proven to the world, you can't keep God's work down. We stand to declare to the world that we are a special creation. A-B sign has evolved. It began as a defiant stand of liberation. Some defiant Negroes (laughs) with big afros. (laughs) And one of them had a switchblade in his pocket stood up at the sanctified gathering of some of the most arrogant, self-righteous, self-defining white people on the planet. Those people who call themselves psychologists, Western European American psychologists, and for all of us who have gone through their torment to receive these degrees we owe, we know that they are utterly bizarre and intransigent in their utter arrogance. These Negroes, sitting in the presence of all these arrogant white folks, stood up with dashikis flying in the breeze, afros reaching to the sky marched in in the middle of one of their most sanctified plenary sessions, took the damn microphone, and took over the meeting. Now, how could that happen? These were well-trained Negroes. They had had bachelor's degrees. They had had master's degrees. They even had the divine mantle of the Ph.D. degree. They were doctor this and master this and professional that. And they were had received all of the accolades and the honors of, det- of testifying that they have been well raised by their good white masters. They were good, acceptable house Negroes. <laughs> And they were not supposed to do what they did. But they were moved by a spirit of revolt that nothing could contain. They don't even know what got into them. (laughs) They don't know what hit them. Putting it with their good old jobs at white institutions. Making people possibly take away their licenses their certification, getting their potential professors to give them tenure, making them angry. After all the hard work of getting in APA, they had the nerve to take it over and run the risk of getting run out of APA. But because of the spirit of defiance that was in them placed in them, By the God who was fostering the resurrection, they acted ugly, and A. B. Psy was born. Now, that defiance, that, uh, that, uh, that, that statement that we are going to be free, was the same spirit of Harriet Tubman, the same spirit of Frederick Douglass, The same spirit of all those people who endured but tried to escape from shackles that they knew were never supposed to have been there. It was the spirit that had never died. The spirit of revolt, the spirit of the maroon, the spirit of the defiant. That's what was manifest. This organization was born out of a spirit of defiance. A.B. Side did not come into existence to make white people happy. A.B. <laughs> Psy did not come into existence to seek acceptance on the plantation. Look. You are very confused. If you think This is a civil rights organization. We are not interested in anybody liking us. The purpose of this existence is so that we can learn to like ourselves. That is the reality of what it represents. So the the defiance represented the origin and the birth of ab Now, it's interesting because, interestingly enough, there were many people who were involved in this early defiance who eventually drifted away. Some drifted away because it didn't stay defiant enough. Others drifted away because they got frightened by their own defiance. Oh my God, what have I done? Some of us are beginning to wake up.
6: Life, and I got we thank you for being with us, and that was Dr. Naim Akbar. Uh, he was uh, a professor, a lecturer. Well, he is a prof. He was a professor. He is a lecturer, and you can catch his work on YouTube. Dr. Akbar was a regular at our common ground in our early days. Um, I was um, honored to know Dr. Akbar before he was Naeem Akbar. He was Luther Weems, a uh, neighbor of my grandmother's when he was, I knew him when he was in high school. I was a little girl. And uh, I knew him through his college years. and... I am just so proud of my friendship, long-term friendship with Dr. Naeem Akbar. Thank you so very much. We're sorry we were able to take your calls. Uh, you need to call in to 347-838-9852 if you're going to catch us on our music jam for about 15 minutes right following this broadcast. 347-838-9852 if you're not on the line at midnight, you won't be able to hear what we are doing in the decompression chambers here at our Common Ground. Um, I do want to remind you that October is designated as uh, Domestic Awareness, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and hope that you will do something and to remind you that your silence will not protect you or the people that you love. Your silence will... Too many of our children are suffering through the effects of domestic violence in their homes and in their communities, and we need to be so cued in to helping families and silence will kill in some domestic and intimate partner relationships. Please talk to your children about uh, violence whether it be emotional violence or physical violence or even the kind of violence that they experience in their schools and sporting events, Uh, it's so very important. Our children are carrying too much of a burden, and it's not helping the other thing that I do want to remind you is that you should pay attention to uh, black voices all over. Since you know this is the internet's machine, uh, all over the internet, uh, whether it be the Black Gender Report, or uh, the Black Commentator, your world, your Black World. Uh, angry black bitch son of of Baldwin. Uh, there are just so many voices out there speaking truth to power and to us. The number again is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two if you want to get in on the decompression machine chamber. We're getting ready to get out of here. Thank you so very much uh, for being with us and our special thanks to Yvette Cornell for spending the time with us and sharing with her with us our, her great insight. Her. I mean, um, I don't want to preach and I don't want to lecture but we have to pay attention to the people who make choices and they make choices on our behalf. People like Alpha at the Alpha show on Friday nights. at. People like Dr. Matthew V. Johnson on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. on TruthWorks. I, uh, India Declare, the I Declare show on Saturdays, Fridays and, and Saturdays at 11 a.m. They make choices to be of service. Thank you again for being with us. I'm Janice Graham, and if it's Saturday night at 10 p.m., I'll be listening for you. You've been listening to Our Common Ground. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I'm Janice Graham, and join us on TruthWorks Network, Wednesdays and Fridays with Soul of Fire and The Alpha Show. You can find Our Common Ground on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Pinterest, and Twitter at Janice OCG. If it's Saturday, at 10 p.m. I'll be listening for you.
1: You rush into battle. We're soldiers. We get hurt in the fight. We suck it up and we hold it down. Like well, it or not, so I'm asking you for the truth. I know the truth. So what I'm asking you is, what is your end game? We, the children of Shaka Zulu, we are gladiators.
6: You're listening to Our Common Ground. Our Common Ground. You're listening to Our Common Ground. We'll be right back with more important talk. Stay tuned.